Hello, friends. Michael Yusuf here. Thank you so much for connecting with Leading the Way and listening to this message. The entire team here at Leading the Way is committed to passionately proclaiming the uncompromising truth of God's Word. And it cannot be done without your prayers and your support and your partnership. Learn how God has uniquely positioned leading the way to reach a world that is in desperate need of the gospel when you visit ltw.org. That is ltw.org. Thank you, and may God richly bless you as you seek to serve Him. I have a simple message. It's a two-word message. Two words. Only two words. There's going to be the message today, so I want you to focus and concentrate. These two words are part of the message that the angel sent to the disciples in Mark chapter 16. And the angel said to the women, he said, go and tell the disciples, and here it comes, the two words, and Peter. Uh, Let me set the stage first before I get to the message. The tomb was found empty. Jesus is risen from the dead. This is the greatest news of all, especially in the midst of that dreary of painful fear and death and diseases that are surrounding us right now. The resurrection of Jesus tells us that death has been defeated. The resurrection of Jesus tells us that sin has been conquered. The resurrection of Jesus tells us that Satan has been defeated once and for all. The resurrection of Jesus tells us that the grave could no longer hold him. Praise God. He rose from the dead. Himirat, please. There is no greater news for the disciples of Jesus, whether they were first-century disciples or 21st-century disciples. There is no greater news. But today, as I said, I want to share with you the application of that great news. And it's found, again, part of verse 7. If you have your own Bibles, open them. Verse 7 and Mark 16. Mark 16 part of verse 7, two words. And the angel said to the women, here it is, go and tell the disciples and Peter. And then the angel said, tell him he's going to go to the Galilee ahead of you to meet you. But listen, those two words that I'm focusing on on this Resurrection Sunday are the summary of the good news of the gospel. (laughs) He say, and Peter is the summary, it's the application of the good news of the gospel. How come? Most of us would think that the angel would have said to the women, go and tell the disciples, and by the way, stick it to Pontius Pilate and tell him Jesus rose from the dead. Probably we would think that he would say, go and tell the disciples and let King Herod know that Jesus rose from the dead. Or, Go and tell the disciples, and by the way, go by Caiaphas' house, the high priest, and tell him, you knew that he's going to rise from the dead. He rose from the dead. Or even for the angel to be gracious and would say, go and tell the disciples and John. After all, 
John is the only disciple who stood at the foot of the cross. He's the only disciple. He did not cut and run like the rest of them. John was the only one who was there at the cross, and to be gracious to him and be thankful to him for doing this, because God told the disciples and John. But no, it's not John. Why? This is not a word of indignation. This is not a word of condemnation. This is not a word of uh, even appreciation. It's a word of affection. It's a word of affection. Only words of encouragement. Only words of the second chance. Perhaps there are someone at the sound of my voice, and you know in your heart you've blown it. I mean, you have blown it big time. You feel that you have sinned beyond redemption, that you have suffered severe setbacks that could never be restored. You feel that you condemned yourself for good. You feel that you have given up on yourself, and you feel that you just see no way out of your situation. Listen to me. The resurrected Jesus tells everyone who's listening right now, telling everyone because of the resurrection, there is a second chance. First, the second chance is irrevocable to the repentant. Irrevocable to the repentant person. Secondly, the second chance is very intimate, very intimate with God. And thirdly, the second chance is very impactful, as we're going to see in the Scripture. Look at those with me, those three things, irrevocable, intimate, impactful. The second chance that the resurrected Jesus gives every one of us Every repentant individual, every repentant man or woman, every repentant boy or girl, the second chance is irrevocable as the resurrection itself is irrevocable. For if there are no resurrection, there would have been no gospel. And if there were no gospel, there would have been no forgiveness of sins. And if there were no forgiveness of sins, we would be doomed for, to a life of misery and eternal suffering. But thank God that is not the case. There are two words, only two words, that gives everyone at the sound of my voice great hope, great hope to know that there is in the resurrected Jesus, a second chance. And Peter. The natural way for Peter to think after denying his Lord and Savior and friend Jesus three times, the natural way to think, a lot of people think that way too. The Lord is going to disown me now. The Lord is going to reject me now for good. The Lord is going to abandon me for good. The Lord would have nothing to do with me after what I have done. He would have every right not to do anything with me, not to have anything to do with me. He can never use me again. Ah, that's what we do, right? That's what we do to people when they wrong us. But no, the power of Jesus' resurrection assures every repentant sinner of the second chance. Oh, God, our God! is the God of a second chance, and a third chance, and a thousand chance, and a million chances. In fact, you see this throughout the Scripture. You see it even in the Old Testament. It is finally established in the resurrection of Jesus. But you see it because that's the nature of God. That's the nature of God. 
when it came for God to choose someone to save Israel from the slavery of Egypt, he got an ex-con. He got a man who was murdered another man, but he was repentant by the name of Moses. The second chance is irrevocable. When the man of God, David, whose heart after God's own heart, who caused the killing of another man and took his wife, you see him in Psalm 51, crying buckets, God gives him a second chance. Jonah went exactly in the opposite direction for where God told him to go. But when he repented inside that whale, God gave him a second chance. And the Bible says that after Peter denied Jesus three times, he wept bitterly. Listen to me. The weeping and the repentance was not wasted on Jesus. It was not wasted in Jesus. Your repentance is never wasted on Jesus. Can you imagine Peter's elation when the women came and said to him, Peter, the angel mentioned you by name. (laughs) Peter, the Lord wants you to meet him in Galilee. Peter, he loves you by name. (laughs) And he told us to tell you by name. Peter, you're still dear and near to the heart of Jesus. Peter, Jesus saw the brokenness of your heart and the heat of your tears. Well, the second chance is irrevocable. It is not offered willy-nilly to everyone. No, no, it's not. Only to those who repent. Repentance has to take place. Judas sold Jesus with 30 pieces of silver. It is not any bigger sin than the sin of Peter, who denied Jesus. No. But unlike Peter, Judas allowed his pride to take hold of him. Instead of repenting, he allowed his pride and his self take over, and he did not receive the second chance. The second chance is irrevocable to the repentant person. Judas did not get it. He didn't get it. The rich young ruler did not get it, for he was sorrowful, but not repentant. Pontius Pilate did not get it because Pontius Pilate had some regrets. He washed his hands. He was outwardly trying to kind of backtrack, but he was not repentant, and he did not receive the second chance. The second chance is for men and women, boys and girls who are like Peter, recognize their sin, confess their sin, repent of their sin. Hear me right, please. This is important. There are a lot of people who get filled with remorse after they've done the wrong thing, especially if they get caught and become public. But only repentance provides a second chance. Not remorse, repentance. This is the good news on this Resurrection Sunday. This is the great news on this Resurrection Sunday. And Peter, say it again, and Peter. The angel said, go and tell the disciples, and who? Peter. Regardless of how deep you may have descended, regardless of how far you may have traveled, the resurrection day, this resurrection day, you can come home. Come home to Jesus. Come home to Jesus. 
there is a second chance for you. Because the second chance is not only irrevocable, but it's very intimate. It's very intimate, very personalized. It's not a blanket like we say in the South, y'all come. (laughs) Maybe that's the invitation, y'all come, but then you have to repent. Now, the Lord Jesus singles us individually. He speaks to you by name. He knows you by name. He deals with you by name. He saved you by name. He forgives you by name. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 3, He said, My sheep I call by name. And that is why the angel sent the message to Peter, by name, by name. Something else I don't want you to miss here. I want you to notice that the angel did not use Peter's old name, Simon or Cephas, as you were known in the Greek, Simon Peter. You see, he uses the new name that Jesus gave him, Petros, the rock. (laughs) You see, when Jesus first met Peter, he was just Simon the fisherman. That's all he was. But after Peter confessed, when Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, meaning that you're the only way to the Father. You're the only way to heaven. You're the Messiah. You're the only hope for mankind. And says upon that confession, that is the confession. That is the rock upon which the church of Jesus Christ is built. Not Peter himself. The Lord Jesus uses the symbolism by the rock of the confession that he made. I'm going to change your name in a symbolic way and call you the rock, Petros. He wouldn't build his church on a a failed man or a man who can fail like all of us. No, no, no. He built on the confession, the rock. That's the confession. Think with me. Put yourself in Peter's place. You have failed miserably, (laughs) but Jesus still believes in you. Isn't that amazing? Think about it. Think of how an employee who knows deep down in his or her heart that the boss believes in him or her. Just think about how hard they're going to work. Think of an athlete who knows deep down that the coach believes in him. Watch him in the field. He's going to work his heart out. Or son and daughter who know deep down a mommy and daddy believes in them. Oh, they will go to second mile. You don't have to ask them. And here, our precious Lord Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, I believe in you. Peter, I saw your tears, Peter. Peter, I recognized your brokenness over your failure. Second chance is always deeply personalized. It can't be done in masses. It's one-on-one encounter with the Lord. The Apostle Paul was a persecutor of the Christians. He persecuted the church. He was a religious zealot and fanatic, and he wanted to destroy Christianity. He had no time for Jesus, certainly didn't have any time for his followers. And that is why the resurrected Jesus had to appear to him one-on-one on on the road to Damascus. 
that same Paul, the same one, the same one, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 5, after our Lord rose from the dead, he was seen by Cephas, that's Simon Peter, that's Peter, then by the twelve. In other words, when our Lord rose from the dead, he went looking for Simon Peter. Why Peter? Because there were some things that are so intimate in our lives that can only take place when we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit of God who dwells in us. It has to be done personally. Peter thought he was finished. Peter thought he was done for. Peter thought that he was history. But no. The Bible tells us that he went on that intimate meeting with Peter. Why? Because there are some things that are just so private. They're so private. cannot be dealt with publicly. We can only speculate, of course. We can only imagine what that conversation was like. Oh, Peter, I've seen your bitter tears. Peter, I've seen your sobs. Peter, I heard your broken words that were halting, coming out from quivering lips. You say, Michael, well, how do you know that this may have happened? I'm glad you asked, because many of us have been there. I have been there. I, for one, have experienced many times the incredible, indescribable grace of God pouring into my life in the times when I felt the least, the least deserving it. I guess that's why it's called grace. That encounter with Peter must have been so tender and so intimate encounter. This encounter must have been a moment of amazing grace. This encounter must have been overwhelming, loving forgiveness. Imagine with me, when you see someone whom you have wounded deeply, someone you wounded, whether you intentionally or non-intentionally, but you wounded that person. And you may have actually wounded that person publicly. He's a dear friend, a family member, and you wounded them. Imagine how powerful it is when that person sees you, he comes and he embraces you. Imagine how painful it was for Peter to wound his friend and his master, his Lord Jesus. Imagine how painful it is for him to look and see wounded love in the marks of the nails. Imagine. Imagine how painful it was for Peter to later have that encounter with the risen Christ in public with the other disciples. After Peter denied him three times. Oh, what a tender Lord we have. What a gracious Lord we have. What a loving master that we have. Oh, what a merciful Jesus we have. Beloved, there are some people at the sound of my voice right now who have experienced loving encounters with Jesus. I know some of you personally. I know I have. 
But perhaps there is that person who had never had that loving encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, today is the day. This Resurrection Sunday is your day to have a loving encounter with the living God. He wants to have an encounter with you. Will you come to Him? You can do that today. You may be carrying old guilt. You may be carrying old scars, deep scars in your life. You may be carrying painful, painful memories. You may be carrying some old, huge burdens. You may have been feeling so unworthy. You may be guilt-stricken about something that happened long time ago, and Satan convinced you that your guilt is beyond redemption. The life of guilt is inevitable. You shut him up and tell him, the risen Christ wants to have an encounter with me. Or you may be a person who has suffered abuse, and you in your heart of heart unable to forgive the abuser. You may have experienced something in the past that is so dreadful that you are unable to forgive God for allowing that to happen in your life. Now, I want to testify to you. I only do that for the glory of Jesus, that I have been in much worse situation than you can even imagine. But it was my encounter with the risen Christ that brought me forgiveness, that brought me healing, that brought me restoration— that brought me power for living and power to serve and power to minister. Oh, the second chance is irrevocable for the repentant. The second chance is very intimate and individualized to you alone. But thirdly, the second chance is very impactful, very impactful. That encounter with the resurrected Jesus was so impactful, was so transforming of Peter's life, that he was never the same. Listen, (laughs) as I travel the globe, I have people every now and again, they will come to me and they say, you're speaking to millions of people around the world. How does that feel? I want you to listen carefully to the answer. (laughs) It's very important. Because I immediately think of the Michael who was a rebellious teenager. I immediately think of the Michael, who was a damaged good, spiritually speaking. I immediately think of the Michael's helpless failures of the past. I immediately think of the guilt-laden conscience of my past. I immediately think of the time of my defection from the faith in the past. At that moment, I begin to praise God. I began to bless the name of the Lord for the second chance that He gave me and the many chances since. Look at the transformation of Peter's life. He went from being a denier of his Lord to a fearless proclaimer of his Lord. In the book of Acts, we're told on the day of Pentecost, he stood up and gave this magnificent sermon. 3,000 people came to Christ, and he said to them, he said, we cannot but speak of what we have seen. Later on, when he was beaten and imprisoned, we see him saying how grateful he was to be considered worthy to suffer for his Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, that's the power of the second chance of the resurrected Jesus, and He can give it to you today, today, today. 
these two words, and Peter. Say them again, and Peter. These two words speak volumes, because they are really the application of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. Flawed human beings like me, like all of us, we are inclined to remember the one single wrong thing that a person does, and we forget all the good things that they've done. Isn't that true? We forget all the other good things. Perhaps if I was sending that announcement, or you sending that announcement that the angel was sending, and he said, go and tell the disciples, forget about Peter. Huh. He denied me three times, but not with the Lord Jesus. Not with the Lord Jesus. He loves you with everlasting love. The message that he gave to the angel, he said, tell the disciples and Peter. I want you to do something for me right now, wherever you are. I hope that you have a Bible in front of you. And if you don't, that's fine. Insert your own first name, okay? Let's do it. And insert your name. Michael. Bob. Sue, Jane, just insert your name under the word Peter and put your own name in your Bible. So you'll never forget that you included in this invitation. Now, can you hear your name? I want to do it again. And your name. That's what Jesus is telling you right now. And you, by name. Oh, what an impact those two words had on the life of the Apostle Peter. What a transformation it had on his life. Peter was about to be crucified. And he said, no, 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 no. Don't crucify me like my Lord. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve that. Crucify me upside down. What transformation. What transformation. When Jesus was trying to explain to the hard-headed audience that he was speaking to, particularly in Luke chapter 15, he was speaking to hard-headed, some very well-known scholars at the time, and they could not understand the concept of the love of God, and he wanted to communicate to them something so deep about the heart of the Father. He said, there was a father, there was a father who had a son who insulted him, who humiliated him, and then left him. But when that son returned home, he found the father with open arms. Welcome home. My beloved friends, on this Resurrection Sunday, the father has his arm wide open because of Jesus and because of what Jesus did on the cross. Would you run into his open arms right now? Run into his open arms This Resurrection Sunday remind us afresh that our God is the God of the second chances. And He's offering that second chance to you right now by name. Whatever your name is, He's offering to you by name. Every repentant sinner is offered that second chance. Job, with all of his pain, he was restored double time. Abraham, with his lying to Pharaoh and trying to hurry up God's plan and giving us Ishmael, he was called a friend of God. Jonah, 
with his running away, led the greatest revival known in history. David, who had blown it big time, when he repented, his heart became after God's own heart. Thomas, the doubtful Thomas, the doubting Thomas, with all of his doubt, Thomas ended up being martyred, but not before establishing the church in India, the church of Martoma. Uh, John Mark, who expressed cowardice and frustrated the Apostle Paul, died a martyr's death, but not until he established the church that I, my ancestors belonged to in the church of Alexandria in Egypt. John and James, who had dreams of grandeur and greatness, one died a martyr, and the other one was exiled in Patmos. Both accomplished great things for God. Oh, yes, listen, the second chance is very impactful on your life. The second chance transforms your life. It is powerful. The question is, will you accept it? Will you seek it? And then it's offered to you. I know that because God's Word on it. Will you accept it? The Lord wants to insert your name in this verse. Thank God for the second chance, for it is irrevocable, it is intimate, and it is impactful. And if you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you heard the gospel message maybe for the first time, and you want to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive all my sins through the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you that his death on the cross was died for me. I thank you that he rose again from the dead so that it can demonstrate and can prove that I too will rise with him. Come into my life now. Or if you're a believer who have wandered away from God, I want to tell you, come home. Come home. He's waiting for you. Not with words of condemnation, but he's waiting for you with welcoming words. Repent. Turn to the Lord for He loves you. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the second chance and the third chance and the many chances you've given me. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for the joy. I thank you for the privilege of serving you. We pray that you bless your people, wherever they may be right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 